Welcome to the Pandemi Show. Stories of the Pandemi for people living in the Pandemi. No one is alone on the Pandemi Show. Thanks for joining us as we unite humanity through stories of hope, connection, and community in the face of the global pandemic. We are all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Thanks for taking a moment to like, subscribe, and follow the Pandemi Show on social media. G'day, and welcome to the Pandemi Show. Thank you for joining us as we transcend time and space to go to St. Martin's, New Brunswick to talk with Jules Hare and her husband, Phil Gorman. Jules, Phil, how are you doing today? Yeah. We're doing awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the Pandemia Show. Stories of the Pandemia for the people of the Pandemia. Can you tell us what your lives were like in before times and where you lived? Because one of the fascinating things about your story is that you didn't start off the pandemic in 2020 in St. Martin's, New Brunswick. So true. Yeah. So Phil and I both live, live downtown Kitchener in the Civic Center. So right by the center in the square, old heritage district. We live there with our family, our dog, B, our kids, Hayden and Tara, ages 14 and 11. And we were happily living in Kitchener. Yeah, we were living the life of uh, Groundhog Day. It was like uh, every day was the same old day. Uh, you could foresee the future, in fact, because everything was the same. Life is was good there. It was always good. People were friendly. The community was amazing. There were so many great people. We were highly sought after and demand in our profession and everything was going amazing. It's a strange thing when everything's going so well and your friends and family are surrounding you. And one day Phil and I just said, it doesn't feel right to be here anymore, which is strange because I grew up there. Phil grew up in Quispam, Cis, New Brunswick, which is like 30 minutes away from where we are now. It felt so weird to think like, how, how does this not feel right? This is all I've known really, apart from traveling this, we've been here for 15 years. Why would we not want to be here anymore? But it just didn't feel right to be there anymore. And we sat with that for, for a while because it meant uprooting our family. It meant not being with our friends and clients and like all of our beloved people. But there was something, there was something about staying there that just felt like we knew everything that would have happened and there was no room to grow more. Even though there's always room to grow, it didn't feel like there was room to grow the way that we needed to grow. Yeah, it was heartbreaking and sad and exciting all at the same time. Yeah, and who knows if that was COVID related, but I would say that there was definitely a pivot of some sort. I don't know if I thought immediately that it was COVID related, but I felt like we were being transferred. And that sounds weird when you work for yourself to be transferred because... It felt like Mother Earth or the universe or whatever, the creation that was moving us, where we felt like we were already surrounded by like-minded people. Everybody agreed with us for the most part. We were part of this thing. But then it felt like we were being shunted and moved someplace where we were actually needed to help in this transition time. We had no idea what the pull was, except that Phil and I both knew that it was for healing. I don't know whether it was healing of the earth or maybe healing of somebody once we got here. 
We had no idea, but we had to trust it because it was really loud pull and it was really clear. We had a small window because it was June, I think, when we decided and we needed to get to New Brunswick so the kids could start grade nine and grade six, middle school and high school here by September. So we had to put the house up for sale, sell the house, move ourselves all within a short period of time. In a pandemic. In a pandemic. (laughs) I want to come back to Groundhog Day later. I think so many people experience nature deficit disorder, especially living in cities. And you've moved, it looks like you live on, you live on water, you're, you have lush forest and in a very biodiverse area, almost like a nature sanctuary. There's vortexes here, Dave. Yeah. You ever been to Sedona? No. Or you, you've heard of Sedona, right? Where it's Is- like all the magical red rocks and all the energy vortexes, basically energy vortexes are like healing uh healthy areas of the earth more healthy than other areas so yeah we have like a salt marsh here we have the highest tides in the world that come and go twice a day the other day 10 meters of water came and went within a six hour period mother nature is loud and proud here with the full moon the recent full moon must have been really rocking those tides Exactly. Yeah. The full moon made it, I I think the most extreme. And now, and I've never been a a wood scavenger, driftwood scavenger, but it's been, as I call it, a picker of paradise. I just love like checking out all the wood and there's like all sorts of different wildlife. We've, We've seen deer run along the beach and like scurry and play in the water and like at the ocean. So every morning we take the dog for a walk to the ocean. And it's a two minute drive from our house. And it's the most phenomenal thing ever. The sea air, the it's never the same sunrise. The, the beach is always different because of the tides. Yeah. One of the housing trends that I think we're observing in the pandemic as the pandemic unfolds, as people are, people who are able to are leaving cities and finding these natural oases to enjoy their life in a more relaxed manner, in a manner in which they can walk gently on the earth. Yeah, man. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it has, it's had its challenges, obviously, because uh, we're both self-employed. Right. And our profession is very specialized. We're massage therapists by trade, but we specialize in cranial sacral therapy. And I specialize in, in kids and pediatrics. Phil specializes in posture. And although it is a little bit slow starting up, I feel like, wow, like we have so much to add here. It's a big move. I don't know how many thousands of kilometers it is, but you moved from Kitchener, Ontario in southern Ontario, west of Toronto, all the way to the Maritimes, across Quebec, into New Brunswick. What was it like moving during a pandemic, putting your house up for sale, and then finding a new house? What was, could you walk us through that process? Yeah, it was awesome. It was like, so we we did it quite a few times in Kitchener-Waterloo, right? We, we kind of jumped around and, we bought added, and sold added value where we could, you know, play the, the real estate game there. And moving here, like you said, yeah, completely different. A, just moving, a moving company alone. Try to get a moving company during a pandemic, okay? And then everything completely changed. It's no longer, how much are you going to charge me to move? It's, okay, here, download our app. Take a video of each room documenting which things that you want. Send the videos to us, and then we'll give you an approximate day, 
approximate time, approximate amount that it's going to cost you. Yeah, that was a whole funny thing. Like even the story about when we, the day that we actually moved, we moved, these guys showed up, they packed everything and they were gone. Okay. They were gone. They were great. Great. It was amazing. But you know what happened? They picked up mine and Julie's bags at the same time. Our day bags our for day our bags. traveling. So Julie and I, oh boy. we traveled all the way here, including five or six extra days that we had to wait for our stuff. And we had nothing. Just the clothes on our backs. Just the clothes on our backs. We ended up in Quebec someplace, you know, doing some speed shopping, grab some pants and some, some socks. But, uh, <laughs> but otherwise, otherwise we would have to... We would have to wash our clothes, run to our sleeping bags naked because the the, the moving truck didn't come for, for seven days after we got here. So we were we were living on a, a blanket in our living room, <laughs> wearing the same clothes and then watching Damn, movies at night naked in our sleeping bags while our clothes were washing. You're lucky that the appliances came with the house. Yes. <laughs> well, that plus actually buying the house, I've actually never been... To St. Martin's. I've never been to this this village that we live in now. Phil had been here as a kid. He would visit here as a teenager and he loved it. But I had never been here and we had to buy the house online virtually. And his his brother had gone through it. So at least we had somebody here to look, go through it. But we'd never been here. And so all sorts of things that we, when we got here, we're like, okay, it needs a new kitchen. We wouldn't have known it needed a new kitchen. Oh, look, they put they put laminate floors over top of carpet. Okay, <laughs> well, we're going to have to fix that, right? <laughs> yeah. You can't, The thing is, Dave, you can't smell the house online. You know what I mean? You had to go through a process with movers using the virtual pivot. Yeah. You had to buy a house virtually. Luckily, you were able to have someone you trust go through to let you know the bones were good. It was a safe buy. Yeah. But to not have that, all your set, the whole sensory experience of seeing the house, smelling the house, all those types of things, that's a big deal. And it's, and it's, and who knows if it's a short term trend as the pandemic, you know, wraps up hopefully in the next little while to a year, or if it's something that's here to stay, because I think there's a lot of people buying things virtually these days, including big ticket items like houses. If yeah. you're, if you're blessed enough to be in a situation where you can, can do that. Yes. Well, and here, I mean, if you want to come see a place, uh, you have to quarantine somewhere for two weeks, right? So it's not easy to get in here and see something and check it out. Like we, we know people who have rented our friend's place in West Quaco, which is just up the road, beautiful seascape here, but they come, they, they do their two weeks quarantine so that they can look at houses. And now they're just constantly looking at houses because now the housing market here in New Brunswick and Nova Scotia hot. is booming hot because people are coming from everywhere to be here. It's advertised in Ontario, Southern Ontario, quite a bit. Right? They're doing a good job at that. And I, and I think it's actually a blessing. I think this is this pandemic is also showing us that maybe as Canadians, we need to spread out a little bit, you know, like we have this big, beautiful country, but we're all kind of piled on top of one another. If we do spread out a little bit more, I feel like that's also a part of the solution. High density living has its advantages, but it also has its constraints. Nature deficit disorder, health issues with spread of COVID-19, for example, it supports corporate food supply. So there are a lot of issues. And then 
spreading out so you get more lower densities, more time in nature. I mean, that sounds like it's good for everybody. Maybe not necessarily nature. Oops. <laughs> well, at the same time, though, if, if everybody was growing their own food, we were talking about in New Brunswick, how the sustainability, like we can only sustain, what was it? New Brunswick only produces 8 to 10% of the food that it requires to feed itself. That's alarming. Can you grow yeah. things in the soil there or is it a short growing season? So you need greenhouses. Yeah, it's adverse conditions there. Don't know, Dave. This is our first year, bud. Yeah, so living. Here's... Well, I'm excited to talk to you in year two when the homestead's more established. Well, when we, we're getting chickens, we're making a chicken coop. Bill's setting up on the chicken coop. And greenhouses are important here because of the, the sea, because you've got salt in the air. Interesting. Yeah. I've already started a food forest. I started last fall. I got some apple trees and some blueberry bushes. Very soon I have more apples, raspberries, blackberries, things coming. Fantastic perennials. I'm building a food forest. Fantastic. Yeah. So how long have you been living there now? Since August, the end of August. So September, seven months, I guess. I guess seven months. Do you notice a difference living out in the country now or living out more in nature as opposed to living in the city? What are the differences between Kitchener and where you are now on the ocean? There's there's they dramatic minds. differences. Completely different. Yeah, I went through uh, uh, laughingly, and I had to catch myself in it. I went through so many moments of of going, oh, oh, that's different, because people would just come up to me in the village here and talk, and they were just really nice, and I was like, wow, they didn't actually want anything from me. They were just being being nice, and I, oh, I sure. realized that I got used to. I got used to somebody like needing something or there being some sort of like counter desire that needs to be met instead of actually just people like talking to people and loving people up just for just for the sake of, you know, being friendly. That's interesting. When you first started your story, I thought you were going to say they came up without a mask and they came within six feet of you. Well, oh, they actually, they, they in the beginning, too. in the beginning, yes, because there wasn't it wasn't a thing here. Social distancing mask. There was no COVID for so long. <laughs> Even, there wasn't even when we got here in September, there were no masks ever had been worn in this province. We we had already gone through the first wave in Ontario, right? And so we got here and it was like weird, and we we're like, but nobody's wearing any masks and everybody's in yellow, whatever that meant. But people they they didn't have the initial scare yet. It, it yeah. was like going back in time. It, it was, was like crazy. going back in time. I think that was one of the most challenging things in March 2020 when it struck how we weren't prepared with PPE and there was, you know, so many different attitudes to it, but it seems that like Ontario people are kind of trying to follow the arrows through the stores. People are lining up with a smile, just trying to get through this. So as many of us are here afterwards, as we're here before, it's fascinating to hear that when you got there, they were just a total different experience. Like people in Australia, they don't have to wear masks or physically distance because they've controlled their borders and controlled the enemy that is COVID from getting into their, their borders. I think in Ontario, it's going to take people a long time to feel safe again in numbers. And I mean, it took a couple of months for people to get into the vibe of staying six feet away and wearing a mask. I wonder if it's going to be the same amount of time or times two to go back to feeling comfortable. And you notice that kind of a thing because you got there and there was no physical distancing, no mask because it was COVID free. We actually had the experience of going to a party. At the party, uh, a party. it goodness. was a regular 
party and we hadn't been to a regular party since march was there and music it was, it was october yeah, there there was, was, i was dancing there was uh, and there were people everywhere was there a was snack like, table there was a snack oh. table <laughs> <laughs> there was. And, and there were close talkers this was a challenge close talk there was this this man and he was really great and he was engaging and he was telling an amazing story but every once in a while he would <laughs> cough oh, into his sleeve and then <laughs> and then he spit in my face and his spit hit my face and i was like jules you know nobody here has covid there's no need to freak out it's all good. but i and I, people were hugging you know what i was amazed at how how challenging that was to be in that situation because that's all i've ever wanted backed at being normal but psychologically i had a coughing fit i needed to leave i had to take julie phil, outside phil took me out because she was having trouble breathing and, and i was like whoa that's crazy so it, it was psychosomatic yeah component to all of this whether yeah. whether we want to acknowledge it or not it's there i'm looking forward to a time when i can get some snacks at the snack table Go, go shake my hips at the dance floor and not get concerned when I get some passionate conversation spit on my face from a stranger. But <laughs> that's not happening anytime soon here in Southern Ontario. We've just gone into another lockdown as yes. the UK variant is taking a turn on, on our human community here. It's unfortunate. Apparently it's hospitalizing more younger people. The variant does have it has changed. It's more contagious and it's more harmful to younger people. So I've started wearing a paper mask and a cloth mask because I have been so diligent this far. I don't want to get it when we're almost through this. Right. And I think looking back at history, the Spanish flu lasted two years. So I'm using that as my benchmark. Right. And we're a year in. It's. I mean, as much as people want to think the vaccine is going to solve everything, I think the vaccine might help, but it's not a total solution. And the inequity around the vaccine is something that should be addressed too, that if we vaccinate Western liberal democracies and in, you know, the wealthy parts of China and other places around the world, but, you know, 80% of the world doesn't get a vaccine and you get another mutation, it's all for naught. So anyway, the it's complex, but it's not confusing. We just have to be kind and be gentle with each other. So we're in our third wave in Ontario, 28-day lockdown. What's it like there in beautiful St. Martin's, New Brunswick? It's Do you have any cases? What the maritime provinces have done, and people are watching them all over the world apparently, is they've created this boundary system. Zones. So there's zones, and nobody's allowed into the province without doing a two-week quarantine. Our province or Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, like I'm pretty sure all yeah. of the maritime provinces are doing the same thing. The way that they've kept it at bay, if there's even, I think, I don't know what their number is, but let's say that if there's 10 cases, more cases in a day, then they change it. They change each zone, if depending on what zone it is, then they'll go to yellow or orange or red. Then they do dramatic amount of contact tracing so that everybody is located, isolated and held at bay. It's like, because the threshold is so low and because nobody can come in traveling, it's kind of like New Zealand where you just say, sorry, this is how it goes. You wanna come in, you have to do this. And if we get over this amount, then we get strict on our whole population. I feel that that's the approach that, that's the only approach that works. Yep. And I don't think anyone's benefiting in Ontario when they open up in between lockdowns at 30% capacity. 
sure they can say that things are open, but there's still going to be a tremendous amount of people who aren't going to feel safe dining indoors. Well, my hat's off to your jurisdiction for taking really strong measures to protect your borders, because it seems to be the jurisdictions where people are able to hug, gather worry-free, they're the jurisdictions where people made the hard border. And it's not, and it's still permeable. It's just, you have to, you can't put other people at risk. And then contact tracing. It's exciting to hear that contract tracing is, is part of the tool belt of strategies that's helping out in the Maritimes, because I feel that there's so many cases in Ontario now, it's community spread, like contact tracing is mm-hmm. never give up. But I think there's just too much of it everywhere. Well, once the threshold is so high, it's like almost impossible to do the yeah. tracing versus when it's low. I'm excited to hear that people are living in a more normal or a safer environment where they can gather together worry-free and there's so many variables and it's and it is very complex but it was that part of the pull too to the maritimes then it's just a safer um, low density it was on the unconscious level but yeah. it wasn't a conscious decision yeah. more than anything we saw this house for nine months previous to that and just it was like a pipe dream well a pipe dream for phil i said i'm not ever moving to new brunswick come on <laughs> but it turns out yeah, it's the best move we could have made because of all of the growth that we've had to make in being here already, it's made it so clear how powerful, like to have to reinvent ourselves means that we actually have to look at who we are and what we really want to do and how we can be of service to the world and meeting a new community of people and all of our friends here that I couldn't imagine not knowing anymore. And our kids thriving too, how they are so resilient and how they've adapted. It's really, really incredible. They already knew busy, fast, smelly, go, go, go sort of mentality. They've got street sense from living downtown Kishner. They can travel on LRTs and buses and navigate a city on a bicycle and they can do all those things and now i feel like they can also live in this environment so seven months into it they've adapted to this environment where it's a smaller village and everybody knows who you are there's a lot of accountability you know our 14 year old is already trying to get a job at the general store like things things that you would never do in ontario at 14 you would never get a job at 14 in ontario because there's not enough jobs And are they getting out and exploring the landscape? Mandatory. It's mandatory in our house. And you know what? They they kick and they say, no, I don't want to go. It's like pulling teeth still. But but when they get out there, you should see them, right? The things that comes up and the conversations that happen. Example would be yesterday. Oh, look, there's steam coming out of the sugar shack after our walk. Let's just drop in for a quick second and say hi. And I want to show you what's going on in here. And they're like, oh, no, I don't go in there. I want to go home. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, no. I want my screen time. We go in and then, whoa, they light up and they ask questions and they meet new people in the community. We leave with a bottle of maple syrup and everybody's like, wow, that was. There's nothing more magical than the sugar bush at this time of year especially in a working sugar bush where people are collecting the sap and putting it in the evaporator 40 pounds of sap for one pound of syrup he even showed us the the bag where the sap collects where he has to like move it through the filter and that there's sand in the filter because the trees have pulled up sand into their system sean mccam on his twitter feed i think in the first lockdown said there's no physical distancing required with trees get outside and hug the trees they'll they'll help get us through 
so yeah, true man. so true and the smells in the in the forest here oh the terpenes they're just amazing i wish i could send you the smell because i get high off of the smell just walking through the forest the spruce oh. it's like forest bathing anything to do with the forest if you're in there for for more than a couple of minutes you get such a Wonderful health benefit and mental health benefit. Beautiful. Getting back to Groundhog Day. Every day kind of feels like Groundhog Day when you were living in Kitchener. Do you still get that same sense now that you're in St. Martin's, New Brunswick? Is Or has it changed? With living in a safer community for COVID with different approaches to the pandemic, do you still have that Groundhog Day feeling? No. No, I, I think you Beautiful. mentioned earlier what was challenging about being here is that it it slows you down. Like in Kitchener, and I'm sure lots of us have that experience where it just feels like, go, 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 do this, do this, do this. Whether it's Groundhog Day, you know, over and over again, the speed at which you do it is so fast. Phil, Phil would often laugh at me. He's like, Jules, you don't need to do anything right now. You can just like relax. And I was like, oh, but it feels like I need to do. I, I think that the first like three or four months, I've, I was in like quick speed. Now I've like dropped into going, okay, well, we'll just do it tomorrow. Like that's easy, but it took a long time to get to that point. The slower pace of life of St. Martin. Yeah. Well, we're living in a small fishing village. So this isn't just out East. This is like even slower where you can watch the tides come in. The other day I sat on the beach and I put my feet in the water, not in the water, on the sand, knowing the tide was coming in. And I said, the tide comes in and kisses my feet. And then I'll know I have to go. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. But the slowness, it's so different. Connecting with nature, it gives us such a drive, such a thrill, such a kick. Yeah. Well, and also to what we plan on doing here, it's a, it's a world eco-biosphere here. So when you look up at the stars, there's no ambient lighting. It's just the stars. So the oh, skies wow. are phenomenal here yeah uh, and we're planning on doing like chocolate sound baths uh, for the new moons and we're working with uh, the fundy wellness network to do like free yoga and meditation and sound bath in the park to get people out here this space is so magical like phil said there's vortexes here and people naturally are drawn here anyways but if there could be a spiritual element to coming here and actually like doing your healing and transformation in this space that's already so conducive to it. There's actually old historical records from doctors who back in the 60s used to send people to St. Martin's, New Brunswick, if they had uh, respiratory problems. Interesting. Because of the salt in the air and the, and the salt marshes, they used to bring people here for salt therapy and for regenerating their respiratory systems. It's pretty cool, right? That's awesome sauce. Yeah. yeah, so we feel like we've been pulled here because this place has huge potential and we're somehow to help with other people accessing their potential in this in this amazing space. It's a tourist town too. There's basically nobody here because it's a small area. So you have to understand that St. Martin's is a small area and really yeah. there's only about 300 people within the actual village proper. But then there's a, a district around it. But in the summertime, it goes from like 300 to 3,000. Tremendous so growth. People, yeah. Who knows if that happens this year because a lot of people came from the States and, and places like that. But last year, because New Brunswick put together this uh, incentive to staycation. Within the maritime bubble, within the all the Fundy, maritime provinces. The Fundy Trail, which is very close to us, the Fundy Trail, which attaches to Fundy National Park, they had their best record year ever. They had 88,000 people through the park. That makes me think of another benefit of the pandemic, that people are learning about what's in their own backyard. And there's a more of a focus now on regional travel. 
You're very fortunate living out in the Maritimes where there's Lucy the Lobster. Lucy the Lobster makes weather predictions on Groundhog's Day. She's based out of Halifax area, I believe. Now, she cancelled her prediction this year as a precaution to COVID because, you know, if Lucy's going to make a prediction, you know the beach is going to be full or wherever she is of people. And lobsters are such tiny little crustaceans. You got to get close if you want to see. It's not like the procession of swans in Stratford where... You know, swans over a meter tall when it gets its head up and its wings up. Have you heard of Lucy the Lobster? No. (laughs) I thought you made her up. No, I I follow Lucy the Lobster. One of the downsides for the pandemic for me, I wasn't able to celebrate Groundhog Groundhog Day by having friends over around the bonfire and then playing euchre, discussing who was right. That's kind of cool. Well, I tell you, when the borders are open and things are safe, you're going to see Dave from the Pandemi Show yeah. in St. Martin's, New Brunswick. Oh, you're going to love it. <laughs> I'm going to focus a little bit on my respiratory wellness near the salt marshes. Hopefully I can work on my wellness with, with you guys. And New Brunswick's lucky to have two wellness gurus out there to support everybody on their wellness journeys. I am really appreciative of your time in Ontario because I know, Phil, you were quite helpful with me. You are a posture guru. Yeah, man. Thank you. Yes. Thanks, Dave. And we miss all you guys and our clients and friends. And it's that has been the hardest thing. But it's so great to stay connected in all the ways we can these days. I think the posture posture experts are going to be vital moving forward from this pandemic with everybody's aches and pains from being on their computers, hunched over and all, the, you know, all those types of issues. So the world needs to work together to move through this. And I should put out this shout out now is that Phil and I are both now working and making our living online and on the phone, treating people. And so we can treat people on the phone. And now that we know that we can, and virtually, like she can even do a posture analysis. I do worse workplace, like virtual assessments of people's home offices now, which oh, kind perfect. of sometimes looks like their bed. Setting people up for success because a lot of people, like you said, they they end up spending too much time in one position. Then their brain got kind of goes kind of like foggy and they lose focus and then they feel depressed. And there's all of these things that come up with not moving your body enough. The message is it's not about what you do. It's about the frequency that you do it. So it's about interrupting the inactivity with some activity, Dave. So stand up, sit down, stretch. You remember when they told you not to fidget? Well, I give you full-on permission to fidget. Never stop fidgeting. I wonder if things will happen quicker where you are. If you look at how your your politicians there in, in New Brunswick took strong measures right away, secured your borders, things that our politicians were afraid or unwilling to do, and it could have prevented deaths and, and the pain and suffering. Yeah, it's so much to think about i can't thank you both enough for your time today here on the pandemic show thanks dave thanks for having us thanks no one's alone on the pandemic show (laughs) thanks for listening to the pandemic show we're all in this together and we're glad you're here together with us physically distance with us at pandemishow.com be a part of our community by subscribing to and sharing the pandemic show Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Pandemic Show is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. Stories from the pandemic for the people of the pandemic. Do you have an interesting pandemic story and want to share? Email us at pandemishow at gmail.com. Thanks to all our guests. 
Thanks to Giant Value for singing us in and letting us know everything is going to be all right. No one is alone at the Pandemic Show. Beep. Beep.